0: Hello and welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. My name is Lokalani, your host, and today my husband Alex is preaching about
1: being hooked on God's righteousness.
0: Yes. Well, on Sunday, we encountered a two foot black tip reef shark at the beach and hundreds of people fled the water as kids on the pier yelled shark. Alex jumped on his surfboard to go and get a better look. And as he paddled to and fro over the baby shark, he kept saying, I wish we had a net. He wanted to catch and release it, check it out, show it to the kids and send it back But if he had the ability to take it home and provide it with an even safer and better life, he would. And we are like fish. God hooks us with his righteousness, which is his commitment to his covenant people. And he takes us home, a safe place away from the deep, dark waters of death and sin. And he gives us endless spiritual food, which nourishes and energizes us to live for him and abide with him in his peaceful, joyful living waters. Though the evil one may try to hook you in with wickedness and throw you back into the waters of death and destruction, you can learn to avoid Satan's evil hooks and to swim towards your father with the help of today's message. I'm going to read the text, which is Psalms 119 verses 137 through 144, and then Alex will take it from there.
1: Thank you guys for always supporting us and keeping us going Mm -hmm. amenpodcast.com if you want to donate thank you guys that means a lot and uh rating and reviewing the podcast if you want to do that on spotify apple google wherever you're listening that would help us too thank you guys
0: yeah thank you you are righteous lord and your judgments are just the decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy my anger overwhelms me because my foes forget your words Your word is completely pure and your servant loves it. I am insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your instruction is true. Trouble and distress have overtaken me, but your commands are my delight. Your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding and I will live.
1: Amen. We are in the 18th part of this series each series in season four or each sermon is eight verses at a time which is how it's broken up in psalms 119 of psalms psalms 119 of psalms mm-hmm. and this letter is sade it's t-s-a-d-e is how we spell it in english but in hebrew it looks like a little hook and so that's where we got the name of this message because god hooks us in with his righteousness this word and this letter they are reminiscent of righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Righteousness is God's commitment to his promise that he's made to his people, that they will be his and he will be ours. If you look at this letter in Hebrew, it looks like two arms outstretched towards the sky, and it looks like knees that are kneeling in prayer. And so the scholars of Hebrew, they've noticed that this particular letter, it looks like two Hebrew letters mixed together which is the letter Yod, which is the arm stretched up like in a Y, the Y of YMCA. And then it also looks like a kind of a Z type thing where it has legs and knees, which is the Vav letter. So Yod and Vav together, Vav representing humility, Yod representing uprightness, commitment, worshiping to God. Those two things make a righteous person, a person that is bent in submission and humility to God, was also a person who upright stands their hands up towards God. Mm-hmm. That is the picture of a picture of a righteous person. And so God is that way. Christ is that way. He lived, always bent in submission to God the Father with his hands, uh, whether they be physically at the time or metaphorically outstretched towards God and worship to God the Father. And so that is the way we want to be. and it's through seeing God's uprightness, his righteousness, that we're hooked in and we're brought in. So we're going to unpack this. What does it mean to be hooked on God's righteousness? What does his righteousness look like in our life? And how can we live that way? And how can we not be hooked on to the wickedness of the world? Mm. Verses 137 and 138 talk about the righteousness of God and explains it further. And then the rest of the verses show us what it looks like to be hooked on that righteousness. If you're hooked on that righteousness, you'll be heated. Now, I want you to remember this word because we're going to break it down in two different ways or three different ways. He did and then he did. (laughs) So if you are hooked on God's righteousness, you'll be heated. He did and he did with a T and a D. So we'll break that down. But 137, it says, you are righteous, Lord. We are not righteous. God is righteous. He is committed to the promises he's made. We don't (laughs) commit to our promises, And because of that, our judgments are not just. God's judgments are just. To be just means to be right. When God judges something, when he makes a decision about something, it's always the right decision. When we judge something or judge someone, we are often 99.99% wrong because we are not righteous. Don't you see? This is why it is not good to judge. Christ is the ultimate judge. But it's not good to make judgments on things and people that we don't know enough about mm, because mm-hmm. they're going to be wrong. Mm. So he says, "You're righteous, Lord." And then 138, "Your decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy." A decree is a testimony. A testimony is like a witness. When you, you know, watch courtroom videos, they call a witness to the stand. This witness is able to testify and decree what they've seen and heard, and then the jury is able to say, okay, that's a good testimony. We are going to take that to, into account when we decide whether a person is guilty or innocent. God's decrees, his testimonies, they are his word, and specifically, they are the words that reveal himself. When a witness is on the stand and they're testifying, they are revealing more about themselves to the jury about who they are and what they've seen and what they know. So when you look at Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, that thing, they brought uh, testimonies and witnesses to the stand who were able to talk about their expertise, right? They brought a TMZ guy to the stand. He was able to talk about, this is what I know as a person who worked at TMZ. They brought a psychological doctor up there. This is what I know about psychology based on who I am and what I can witness about. So God's witness are his witness and his testimonies are always righteous and they're always trustworthy. Mm-hmm. The problem with a lot of courtrooms is the witness that's brought to the stand lies and is not trustworthy. God's testimony is altogether trustworthy. And so what he says is Abraham, you're going to be my guy and you're going to have kids and those kids are going to be my people. And I promise to always be your people before that, after that altogether for eternity, past and future is always worked in accordance to that promise that he made. That's why he's righteous. What he says he means and he follows through on. Mm-hmm. And as he reveals more about himself, we see the more we see about him, the more we realize that he's so righteous because he's still in accordance acting with that promise he's made to Abraham. So this is what hooks you in. The reason why you trust in Jesus, the reason why you trust in God is you see how righteous he is. Mm-hmm. He is so committed to you as his child. He's chosen you. He's elected you. He's pulled you out of the miry clay and he's set his affections on you. And he's so committed to that. Look at what he's gone through with the story of the gospel. I mean, all the way back to Abraham, back to Adam, back to Noah. Each story is a picture of how he's committed to this child that was going to be born of a virgin and be the perfect sacrifice for you. And then when that child gets here, the commitment that the word of God had in walking every single day in step with the will of God, the will was to save you, to bring you into um, God's family, to form you into the image of his son, perfect and blameless, justified before his presence. Justified means he's cleansing you of everything so that you're in right standing with him. It means that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. You could be right standing with God. He's so committed to this. I mean, you see Christ in the garden and he's so committed to the cross, even though he knows what the cross means to him. What the cross is going to mean to the, uh, the complete wrath and just destruction of his body. He's so committed to that the wrath of God, and going through all of it. That is why we are hooked into God. Once you see this about Christ, you can't look away. Once you see, you don't want to go back to the the old waters you were swimming in. You want to go home with him. Mm -hmm. And whatever that means, you're down for it because you're totally hooked into his righteousness. Now, 139 through 142 reveals that if you're hooked, you'll be heated. Heated with a T. Heated. Now look at this. My anger overwhelms me because my foes forget your words. This psalmist is saying he's heated because he's he's realizing that God is righteous. His word is righteous. Everything he does is righteous. His testimony is righteous. He's so desirable. He's so hooked into this that he says, I get mad. I get heated when my foes don't regard your words. His foes... Specifically, he's talking about our pharisaical people. Of course, he's talking about the pagan people too, but our real enemies aren't pagans. Our our real enemies aren't non-believers. Our real enemies are the people within the church who are claiming to be believers, who claiming they know God, but they're acting religiously in a bad sense and pharisaically. You see this as Jesus walks the earth. Mm -hmm. When he was here, his problem wasn't with the tax collectors and the prostitutes, his t- his problem was with the Pharisees. They were the ones that are giving him the most problems. They're the ones that came up with this elaborate plan to kill him. Judas was in his pack, hanging out with him, and he was the one that betrayed him. It wasn't some like horrible, like or as we would say, this horrible, ruthless drug dealing pimp, horrible sinner that turned him in. It was one of his own boys. Don't you see? It can be the religious, the pharisaical, the fake people around you that can be your biggest enemies. And the cross reference here is in John 2.17, where it says, my zeal for your house consumes me. It's the same road as this verse. Jesus walks into the temple. He's ready to worship God. He sees that they're using the temple place as a marketplace. They're distracting the Gentiles by setting up shops and food trucks and all kinds of crazy stuff inside their place of worship. How can the Gentiles worship, Jesus thought? How can they connect to God when they have birds and money changers and everything flying around while they're trying to worship? He gets heated. And what does he do? Righteously in his anger, he creates a whip and he whips them out of the church. Drastic, dramatic? Yes. Righteous? Yes. In every one of his actions, he is right and just because he he acts in accordance to God's testimonies. Mm -hmm. God's testimonies reveal who he is and what he's about. It reveals his character. So Jesus doing that is saying this. This is not in God's character for this kind of stuff to be going on when it should be a place of worship, a place of prayer, not a den of thieves. Mm -hmm. He acts in accordance to that. You can act in accordance to God's will and be angry with religious pharisaical, fake, evil, distracting practices in the church. You can be angry with those things Mm -hmm. because those are the activities of your foes, not your friends. Those are the activities of the Pharisees, not your father. So he says, I'm heated. That's how you know Jesus was hooked on the righteousness of God. He loved it so much. And speaking of love, look at the next verse, one forty. Your word is completely pure and your servant loves it. Again, he says what? I'm heated. Heated, being in heat is what an animal does when it's ready to give birth, when it's ready to bring life into the world, when an animal is in heat. That's how both of the animalistic natures of the male and female animal know it's time to create life. Jesus is saying that to love God is to love life. Loving real life comes from loving God, not the life here on earth, not just like the money and the clothes and all that kind of stuff. That's not real life. Real life is abiding in God, abiding with God, being connected to life. He says, um, for all who trust in him, they will get, be given eternal life. That's real life. When you love God, you're loving what real life is about. And so he says this, he says, your word is completely pure. This word pure it means uh, purified. If you look at the verse in Psalms twelve six, it says, your word is purified seven times in the fire. Seven is the number of perfection. When you were to take silver or gold and purify it, you purify it by heating it, by putting it in very hot temperatures and the dross and the excess and the impurities fall off. Well, the psalmist says your word goes through that type of process And it goes through it seven times. It's refined. It's so perfect. It's so righteous. It's so pure. When I see it as your servant, I love it. I'm in heat when I look at it. I'm ready to be one with it so I can give birth to new opportunities to serve you. So I can give birth to new ways of of showing people who you are, your testimonies, your decrees, your commands. It gives life. It brings life because I'm in heat as I am hooked in by your righteousness. So the person that's hooked on God's righteousness, he's heated. It goes even further. It says in 141, I'm so heated. I'm so in heat. I'm so in love. I'm so devoted. I am insignificant and despised in the eyes of the world. But I do not forget your precepts. Mm -hmm. This word insignificant, it means small or young or youthful. Despised means hated. The psalmist is saying, because I'm so in heat, because I'm so heated, passionate, devoted to your word and its righteousness, I'm despised and I'm seen as small and insignificant in the world's eyes. People will look at you as a Christian and say, one, they hate you, but two, you're a nobody. You're small. We we don't need to pay attention to the Christians. We don't need to pay attention to the word of God. That's small and insignificant. What we have going on in today's world is bigger and better and more important and more advanced. We need to focus on these things. No, 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 no. Though David looked insignificant to a giant, David was the one that defeated the giant, Goliath. David is a picture of the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus, though he looked insignificant and small inside of a manger next to cows mooing, he was the one that saved. God's children and rose again from the grave. And it was those same little tiny baby hands that wrapped around Mary's fingers that shaped the entire universe. The endless galaxies were shaped by those little hands. So though something might look insignificant and despised by others, God says, don't look at the outward appearance. That's what man looks at. God says in chapter 16 of Samuel, I look at the heart this same like imagery is given in Psalms 22 and Psalms 22 is a foreshadowing of Christ on the cross thousands of years before Christ even gets to the cross. And what it says in Psalms 22 is I am a worm despised by many. This worm was a worm that was squiggling around in Jesus's uh, place of living. And it was called a crimson crocus when it was crushed, a red dye, Crimson dye would pop out of it. It was a picture of Christ because when Christ was crushed after being despised, his blood would spill out of him. And it was a crimson dye that dyed our lives. And somehow, when that crimson dye, when the blood of Christ dyed you, covered you, it came out for you to be white as snow. It's a miracle. He says, though I'm insignificant, though I'm despised, I do not forget. To not forget means to not ignore. Jesus, though he was treated like a worm and despised, he did not ignore what? The precepts, it says in 141. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus too, this verse. The precepts point to God's purpose. Precepts reveal God's will. God's will comes from his commands. A precept is his command. So For a king to make, this is my precept. He's saying, this is my command. I'm commanding this. When Christ um, comes walking on the water and he gets into the boat of the frantic disciples, his friends running amok on the boat, afraid of the winds and the waves and the storms, Jesus says, peace be still. And the waters stop. He, he, He says, peace be still when he's sleeping on the boat, when he walks into the boat, the second time, he just gets in the boat and the waters stop. So without even saying anything, he commands the waters to stop. But that time when he was sleeping in the boat, he actually said, peace, be still, and the waters stop. So whether he actually has to say it or whether he has to just show up by his presence, he his presence commands things. His words, his statements commands things. Those are commands coming from a king. That's why the oceans and the waves listen to him because of the eternal King that he is. Mm. So Jesus on the cross, he, as his father commands things, he chooses. I'm not going to ignore those things where Jesus says, where I am on this cross, I am fulfilling your will, fulfilling your purpose. This is what you've commanded. You commanded sacrifice without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sin. That is a command from God, the father, So Christ, having to be the perfect, sinless lamb of God, he, getting on that cross, he's saying, this is what you've commanded, so this is what I choose not to ignore. Mm. So though I am despised and insignificant in the eyes of people, I do not forget your word. See how in love with this commands he is? How in love do you have to be with someone To remain obedient and committed to them, though you are being treated as insignificant and despised. Mm. How in love do you have to be? Don't you see he's saying, I'm so hooked. I'm heated. I'm in heat. No matter what people say about me or no matter what people do to me, I will not ignore your precepts because your precepts point to my purpose and your purpose. And so I'm Mm. not going to change my mind. I'm not going to go away. That's how how in heat I am. The last verse that talks about being heated is 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your instruction is true. God's righteousness, again, which is his commitment to his covenant people. His covenant is a promise that he's made. The promise is even if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I'm gonna always hold up my end of the bargain. My, if you obey me, and trust me and follow me, I will give you salvation. I will bless you. I will take care of you. We don't always do that. And how does God keep up his end of the bargain? It's because Christ did that for us on the cross. He always obeyed, always walked in obedience. And because we are in Christ, it's as if we did it with him. Mm -hmm. So how can we not walk in obedience with him today? If he's done that for us, if he's went that far, and then he's filled us with his spirit, every time we sin, we are choosing to sin because he's given us the power over it. Mm -hmm. And even if we do make mistakes, how can we choose not to repent instantly if he's gone that far Mm -hmm. to be committed Mm -hmm. to us? That is his righteousness, his commitment to you as his person. And it's the commitment to, to the promise that he will be yours. And so that righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. That commitment he has Is never going to end. It's everlasting because he is everlasting. Because he is eternal. His righteousness is eternal. Mm -hmm. All of his characteristics are eternal just as he is. Because in his nature, he's eternal. Mm -hmm. So what he does and what he says and what he claims is all eternal. So his word is eternal. Meaning when our words end, famous authors today, Charles Dickens, his words ended. We're in a time where Charles Dickens cannot speak audible, audible words anymore. We don't hear his voice anymore. His words are on paper. They're on the internet, but they will end. People will some point get over them and stop reading them. That will never happen to the word of God. His words are eternal, eternal. They always will go. And his instruction is true. To be true means to be firm and stable his stability and his firmness, his straightness is eternal. It never ends. And so he says, that's why I'm heated by it. I'm in heat. I'm in love with this. I just want to be one with this. This is a person that is hooked on his righteousness. But then it also means that if you're hooked on his righteousness, you're heeded. So heated with a D, H-E-E-D. Heed heated To be Heeded means to be given instruction, given understanding. Verse one forty three. It says, "Trouble and distress have overtaken me, but your commands are my delight." Trouble and distress is narrowness. Narrowness is what the psalmist is trying to give us a picture of. The road that I'm on is so narrow. I can't even turn around. It's so tight. It's so narrow. It's overtaking me. It's overwhelmed me, yet I have something to delight in, and that is your commands. Again, your commands reveal your what? Your will, your purpose. See, God, I know what you're leading me to. I know what you're doing in my life. I know that I shall not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I may know and test and approve what your perfect and pleasing will is. What mm-hmm. is that will to conform you, not to the patterns of this world, but to conform and transform you into the image of his son, mm-hmm. the image that was broken, the Imago day that's on every human that has been shattered and broken because of sin. When mm-hmm. Adam and Eve ate from that tree, because in Adam, all sin, but in Christ, we are all sons. God sees you as a person that deserves the privileges as the firstborn son because Christ got that, got the ability to deserve those on your behalf. Me and you, we don't deserve it, but Christ sees us. God sees us as deserving because of Christ. Mm -hmm. How is that fair? It's not. It's called grace. It's called grace. It's getting something you don't deserve. You don't deserve it, but God and his goodness says, in my fairness, I'm going to let my son take your place on the cross to satisfy my wrath, to be the propitiation. And I'm going to be completely justified, completely fair in doing this so that when I see you, I can say you are deserving, even though you're not. And so as, he, as that road that we're on, as we walk on it, It's going to get more narrow and more narrow, but we can delight in saying, God, I know what you're doing. I know your plan. I've seen it. I can trace it from Adam all the way to Jesus. I can see this now. And because I can see your commands, I can see your will. I can delight in it. To delight, uh, what it means is to find counsel in. So the commands of God, it says in Psalms 119 verse 24, these commands are his counselors. A counselor is someone that gives you direction. Giving direction is so important when we're on narrow roads, when trouble and distress is is overtaking us to know this is the way that I'm going on this narrow path. This is where God is taking me. That counsel can be a delight Mm-hmm. when you're really going through it. I mean, when you're being treated bad, when life doesn't make sense, when you're really confused, when the devil is whispering lies into your ears, believe the devil can whisper things into your ears. Sometimes we can't just blame everything on our flesh. If you're feeling like you're insignificant, despised, small, you're not worthy, all that kind of stuff, you may be thinking, oh, this is my flesh just playing games on me. No, it can also be the devil whispering lies. If the devil can whisper lies into Judas's ear, He can whisper lies into your ear too. This is why the Bible tells us to wear the helmet of salvation because the devil's shooting fiery arrows of fear fear towards your brain, towards Mm -hmm. your helmet. Mm -hmm. So you got to keep it on. Remember that I'm saved. I've been set apart. And because I'm saved, I have a purpose. The purpose is that God is making me like Christ. That's what salvation is. He's taking you from this wicked, evil earth to his eternal home that he has prepared for you in heaven. You have to keep that on and you have to keep that cover in your brain because the devil's going to try to shoot right through it, but nothing can get through that helmet of salvation. So if you take it off, something can get through, but keep it on because he's going to try to make you feel like as you're on this narrow path, you know, you really messed up. He's going to try to make the sins and the mistakes that you made in the past look way bigger than they actually are, bigger than your salvation bigger than your future, bigger than where God is taking you. And it's going to make you feel like, you know, you really don't deserve to be on this path. You really don't deserve to have the things that you have. But you can say, you know what, that may be true, but because of Christ, because he deserves it, and because I'm in him, I deserve it. Mm -hmm. Because he earned it for me. He got it for me. That's how you can delight when you're on that narrow path, thinking Mm -hmm. about his will. Okay, what is his will? As well as it make me like today I was just outside doing laundry and I was reaching into the washer machine and I pulled out my clothes and as I pulled it out, I hit my elbow, my funny bone on the like edge of the washer machine oh. and it hurt so bad. It sent an electric feeling jolt down my hand to my fingertips and I got so mad and I literally bit my tongue. I was like, mm, you know, I wanted to say something, but I was like, mm, I'm not going to say anything. And I realized, Oh, what I talked about last week God is going to allow me to get in painful situations so that I learn to bite my tongue mm. because where words are many transgression is not lacking. lacking so he's going to put me in situations where I am forced or not forced I have the decision to force myself to not say something or mm. I have the decision to say something mm-hmm. but then I would lose that test Through these hard, narrow paths, God is conforming you into the image of his son, transforming you to look like the Imago day that was broken. So thinking about that, you'll have delight. The electric pain in my arm suddenly subsided as I thought about the delight I have by remembering his commands, which reveal his will. Heeded. Those counselors of God's commands are heeding you H-E-E-D, heeding you, giving you understanding, and that is delightful. There's nothing so delightful other than being on a path where you're lost and scared and then getting counsel Mm -hmm. and knowing this is exactly where you're going. You're going the right place. You're right where I need you. Keep going. Last verse, 144, your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I will live. The decrees represent his testimonies. Remember that. As I hear your decrees, as I read about Jesus, as I see your witness, see your testimonies, I realize you are righteous forever. Your testimonies, what you say, what you reveal about yourself are righteous forever. Give me understanding. Give me more is what he's saying. Help Mm -hmm. me understand more of your testimonies. Uh, Help me see more of your witness, more of your decrees. Mm -hmm. Give me that. This is saying, give me more heed. Heed me. Give me heeding. Heeding, show me which way I'm supposed to go because this has to be given. Um, for someone to give you heed, it means it you didn't have it before and you had no way of knowing it. So he's saying this, he's saying, the righteous, they live by the heeding. They live by the understanding, which is given. The Bible says the righteous shall live by faith, not by sight. Sight only gets you so far. Faith takes you to the next level. Faith is a confident confident step towards a reality. So he's saying that's what understanding is. When God gives you understanding, he gives you faith. He gives you a confident ability to step towards a reality. The reality is his righteousness. There's nothing more real than the righteousness of God. The righteousness is saying that. There was a reality that you're stepping towards. And the reality is I will never turn my back on you. And I've proven that. I am committed to the promise I have to you, towards you. To pray this is to say, to to want God's righteousness and to want to be hooked by it is to end by saying, God, give me understanding of your righteousness. Mm -hmm. Help me to heed this. Because I hope you see that Christ is the only person that's ever been hooked on God's righteousness 100%. He is the only person on that hook, faithfully. And so unless we're in him, we won't get the heating and the heating that we need. And so that is why the psalmist says, I know this to be true about you, but I need you to give it to me. I need you to give me the understanding. That is his prayer. Give me the understanding. Help me heed your righteousness so that what? So that I may live. Because unless you're hooked on his righteousness, you're not really living. To not be hooked on his righteousness is to be hooked on the wickedness of the world, which means you are the opposite of all these things. 139, your anger will overwhelm you because, not because your foes forget God's words, but because your foes forget your words, The reason why we get so mad and angry with people is because we think, don't you know who I am? Mm -hmm. How could you do this to me? Are you forgetting what I'm all about? We're we're getting mad, not because they're forgetting God's words, but because they're forgetting our words. That's not Mm -hmm. real life. That's not the good way to live. You know, it says your word is completely pure. If you're hooked on the wickedness of the world, your word is not pure. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And because of that, you won't love the words that come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. You'll say things that you wish you didn't. Yeah, Verse 141, uh, the righteous person, the one that's hooked on his righteousness, they're insignificant and despised because they are hooked on his righteousness. And so they choose not to forget God's precepts. If you are hooked on the wickedness of God, you'll be not insignificant and despised, you'll be loved. You'll be praised by many. I mean, look at our culture. We praise rappers who say things that are so disgusting. Mm -hmm. They praise lifestyles that are so abhorrent to the word of God. And we praise them. We lift them up because, wow, look at the things that they've said. Look at the things that they can do. Look at what they can do with their money. They can do anything they want with their money. They can say anything they want with their platform. And we worship them and we lift them up as a culture. So if you want to be praised and loved, then you could be a per. Then go ahead and love and be hooked on God, uh, hooked on the world's wickedness, because those people who are hooked on the world's wit- witness it, wickedness, wickedness, <laughs> they are people that are praised by our culture. Mm-hmm. But if you're hooked on His righteousness, you'll be insignificant and despised by the world. Mm. But you'll be giant in the eyes of the angels, giant in the eyes of the cloud of witnesses that are watching you. Hebrew says, mm-hmm. in the eyes of our father, David, though he was small in the eyes of the world, he wasn't small in the eyes of God. Yeah. If you're hooked on the wickedness of the world, you'll do the opposite of 142. It says, your righteousness is everlasting. Your instruction is true. Mm-hmm. You'll fall for the instruction that is false that comes from the world. You'll choose for a false righteousness that says that the righteousness of the world is false because it says, yeah, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to uh, your purpose. I'm committed to the purpose of making you fall away from God, mm-hmm. take you further away from God. You'll fall mm-hmm. for false instruction. Mm-hmm. You know that you'll do the opposite of 143 and 144. Trouble and distress will overtake you, but you won't have any place to delight in. Trouble and distress is going to come for everyone. Everyone has to go on a narrow path. At some point there's God's narrow path. And there's paths that are narrow just because life is hard. And when you get on paths like that and you're not hooked on the righteousness of God, you will fall to your death because you'll have nothing to keep you going. No delight. And lastly, you won't have any understanding on Mm -hmm. how to live. Mm -hmm. Without understanding, without being heeded with a D, you will not know what life is about. You're just coasting and coasting and coasting. And you know how... How um, shameful it is to see a person that is old in age and still falling into the same traps they fell into when they were in their 20s. That's a hard thing to witness. I don't want to live that way. And so the person that is hooked on his righteousness righteousness is is Christ. Mm. Being in him, being abiding in him, walking with him, being obedient to him. Will uh, it'll show that you are a person that's heated and heated, a person that is hooked on the righteousness of God? Mm-hmm. But it's saying that Christ only in you can this be fulfilled in me. And looking at the cross and seeing that how committed he was. Let's pray, Father God. Thank you so much for your word that heats us and heeds us and um, gives us a desire to want more understanding of who you are, your righteousness. Help us, God, to trust Christ because he is the one um, that did this for us. Um, and when we're in him, we uh, we find ourselves, Lord, to be really living and to be really, truly, deeply satisfied and happy. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. This is the part of the episode called After the Amen where we ask you a question to help you apply this message to your life. Our question today is, how is God's righteousness hooking you in today? How is God's righteousness hooking you in today? I love this message. I think it's so good. And just like a constant reminder, like as you go through each verse, how important the word of God is, how much we need yeah. the word of God. Um, even when we're like operating out of like our knowledge and love for the word of God, like we need it again to like replenish (laughs) us, you know, like talking about I'm insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your precepts and we won't forget them if we go back to the word, you know? And so I just think that is so good. And also that same verse 141. Um, yeah, just how I think, you know, the, us believers who, Are really trying to stand on the word of God and live for it. We can feel so small, even in like like relation to what you were saying about the Pharisaical people that are our enemies. Um, You know, we have that today, and it looks different than maybe what we've read. Um, Whether it's like the progressive, you know, Christians or Mm -hmm. the uh, nationalists, Christian nationalists or something Mm -hmm. like you know, they have their ways of Um, it seems like they're still hooked in to the world's Mm -hmm. ways, you know, and that's why they are not like standing on the truth. And we, their voices, you know, at times seem so loud. Right. And so it's like, how can we compare to that, you know? And um, just like what you're saying, and even in the commentary I read this week um, about this text, but with that, it was saying like life comes from, a mustard seed that is so tiny, you know, and we know what um, the mustard seed represents too. And so um, that if, when we're committed to God, we might feel insignificant, Mm -hmm. despised, but what God can do through our commitment to him and his righteousness is bigger than what we could think or imagine, um, and we constantly have his word to refill us, to re-encourage us, to rejuvenate us yeah. as we um, trouble and distress overtakes us. Like it says in 143. And so I think we experience that a lot, you know, yeah. and whether it's online or even on island, um, just little things that we encounter. But um, his word really does give us a refreshment and wisdom to carry on not grow bitter and to not stop living the abundant life that that this life really is yeah. it is abundant so
1: that's so true yeah amen yep i love that example of the faith of a mustard seed and how it grows into this huge bush mm-hmm. and that's a great like parallel of the faith that god gives us and as you're talking about that i'm just thinking about like god is humble you know, and so that's why so many times someone as small as David, or someone as small as a baby in a manger, or small as a mustard seed, turns out into be this to be this huge, great thing, mm-hmm. because he's so humble. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't come out the gate like, "Hey, look at me! Whoa, mm-hmm. look at how great I am!" He does it so humbly and quietly.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the
1: opposite of the world, and mm-hmm. like you said, he's doing that inside of us hmm So that's good. Yeah. I love it. Thank yes. you guys for listening, and we'll yeah. see you in the next one.
0: Yeah. It's our prayer that this message will hook you in to God's righteousness. Um, and, yeah, we're so thankful that you've joined us. We love you guys. And until next time, go out and be the church.
1: Amen.